0: This podcast channel is about you successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors. Sponsored by ECJ Contact. All right. Hey, so, hey. with that, Aman, uh, we are now live. Welcome to our. Uh, Live stream, we're going to talk about all things tax, hcj.tax, offshore tax is our topic. So we do this for those seeing us for the first time. We do this every week. If you have a look at hcj.tax, you will see what's coming up next week. But today we have the honor and privilege of speaking with Ms. Amman Tamus. So just, just as a quick kind of disclaimer, we we may be talking about things that are legal and tax related, but we're not giving advice. So nothing here should be construed as advice. We're having a general conversation about general principles. If it is that you want someone to advise on your specific situation, you can reach out to a tax advisor if it's tax related, or you can reach out to Amman to talk about your options from an investment migration perspective. For those joining us on Zoom, this is being recorded, which means that if you do not want your image to be shown, you would need to keep your camera switched off. And without further ado, Amand, please introduce yourself. Over to you.
1: Thank you very much, Darren. I appreciate it. And the honor is mine, to be quite honest, Uh, Mm -hmm. being in the presence of such uh, professional and uh, very (laughs) well-established and experienced Tax yeah. experts. I mean, the honor is mine. A um, little introduction. Armin Tanous, I'm vice president for Apex Capital Partners, which is mm-hmm. the global leader in, in the investment migration industry. Uh, some some of our viewers might ask, what is investment migration? Well, uh, very simply uh, said, it's it's a you know. A cum- Package of all of the immigrant investor programs available and offered by uh, nations, by countries, right? Such as in Canada, the U.S., mm-hmm. and, and other European and Caribbean uh, nations that offer immigrant investor programs. Uh, and so we've been we've been in the business at Apex Capital Partners since 1991. So the mm-hmm. I could I could confidently say the the first um, first international firm. That has worked with international clients in regards of investment migration products or immigrant investor uh, programs, and being able to market these programs to to the to the international uh, scale, obviously. And uh, we are the only, and I could proudly say this, we are the only fully licensed and government mandated firm in the industry, which means that all of the programs of which we offer to our clients as solutions for their temporary relocation or permanent relocation needs. Uh, We are the direct intermediaries between our clients and the governments. And so uh, just like anything, when you discuss tax, you want to be discussing tax with a tax expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you discuss immigration, you want to be discussing immigration with an immigration expert and a licensed individual as well. So mm-hmm. that's, that's who we are and that's what we do. And, and we've been doing it for a very long time. So I could, mm-hmm. I could easily say uh, that uh, I'm proud. I'm proud for, to working at Apex Capital and being their vice president for North America and Latam. Maybe one one thing that I can add is that on top Mm -hmm. of being able to to help private clients in regards of immigrant investor programs, we Mm -hmm. also have a very, very, very well established government advisory uh, arm, which means Mm -hmm. that we've helped governments structure, plan and maintain citizenship by investment or residency by investment programs, so immigrant Mm -hmm. investor programs. And Mm -hmm. we've seen that, I mean, uh, originally in 1989 to 1991 with Canada, uh, our founder was part of the the advisory board in regards of being able to, to, you know, create and and maintain and structure the both investment and immigration uh, planning for the Canadian Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. residency by investment program or immigrant investor program. And we've done this in Anguilla with the residency by investment program in Angela, which is obviously a, a permanent residency or a tax residency, mm-hmm. uh, and as well as most recently, Montenegro. Okay. So we are one of, one of three large firms uh, within the consortium that has helped the Montenegrin government create structure and maintain their, uh, and promote their citizenship by
0: investment program. Mm. Okay, so so a lot of hard right.
1: work and dedication. Okay.
0: So Yeah, that is interesting because, you know, obviously we we speak with people in the investment migration space quite often, but it is rare to speak with uh, advisors who advise the government as opposed to just simply on on the client side. So in in terms of the, the jurisdictions or the uh, the destinations that that you would be able to advise on, or oh, not not only you but your team. So yes. I'm guessing yes. it will be the Caribbean. Uh, where where else?
1: So so we're in all five jurisdictions in the Caribbean that offer citizenship yeah. by investment. So mm-hmm. uh, Saint Kitts and Nevis, Antigua and Barbuda, Dominica, Saint Lucia, and Grenada. Uh, yeah. and so we're government licensed and uh, government mandated in all five jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are uh, originally a Canadian company,
0: yeah.
1: and so we offer, through our uh, registered consultants for immigration, um, mm-hmm. we offer Canadian, obviously, uh, invest immigrant investor program as well, such mm-hmm. as the most recent one, the Canada Startup Visa. Which is really uh, interesting. We mm-hmm. are in Montenegro. Uh, mm-hmm. We provide uh, assistance to our clients in Malta in uh, Portugal, in uh, Greece, mm-hmm. in Turkey. Mm-hmm.
0: So okay. we're we're,
1: all, we're almost every program that's out there and available for immigrant investors.
0: Sure. We we can assist our clients. Okay, so okay, so definitely Europe, definitely Caribbean uh Correct. vanuatu no we stay
1: okay. very far from vanuatu
0: okay all right no so no asia so like no australia new zealand uh right. no
1: no no okay. no no. We, we have partners that we work with right. uh our trusted partners that we work with for uh like global talent uh, programs in australia mm-hmm. but yeah. uh besides that you know we we don't really uh, we don't really have a direct connection uh, or um licensing in those countries so that's why we we tend to to not work with them directly
0: okay understood no problem at all okay so for those who are not joining uh welcome if you are with us on zoom you can just type your questions in the box below and we deal with them in the order in which we see them same with facebook and the other platforms i'll just have a look from time to time to see what is being commented on. But uh, I'll go through the questions that were uh, already submitted. And and the first one, I guess, would be the UK. There've been some changes in the UK uh, investment migration landscape. Uh, could you comment on that, please?
1: Yeah, that was actually uh, one of the, I would say, strategy, strategies of, of the last year in investment migration is that the Home Office decided to halt the uh, UK Tier 1 investor visa, which was a very, very, very good program for all uh, immigrant investors looking to um, you know through their investment uh, be granted residency uh, in, in the UK, uh, obviously through physical residency requirements when they're met and so on and then a pathway to citizenship and Mm -hmm. so that was a great program it gave it was one of the programs that was still open for uh, the investors to be able to have a understanding and um, decision in regards of what type of investment can be made right Mm -hmm. Uh, dealing with wealth management partners as well directly so it was very uh, it was an open program it was a very good program and granted you know uh british citizenship uh, ultimately which is a great passport to have right yeah. and yeah. so and so it's unfortunate that that doesn't uh that program isn't with us
0: anymore mm, okay but yeah it, it is unfortunate and it means that we have a lot less to talk about because i i know that for uh, for yourself and your team dealing you know, with that high net worth individual that was really the, the vehicle of choice for friends in the UK. Not that, not that there aren't other ways of doing it, but that was really the, the preferred option, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, because we're obviously uh, focused on working on immigrant investor programs, right? Uh, rather than your regular immigration uh, hmm. um, pathways, let's say, to that lead sure. to residency yeah. or citizenship. Sure, uh, sure. Given the fact that we are, mainly focusing on immigrant investor programs, that was really the only immigrant investor program that the UK had to offer. They obviously had other programs such as entrepreneur programs, mm-hmm. uh, but but for immigrant investor programs, the UK tier one investor visa uh, was the creme de la creme, we say.
0: Right. Okay. And if, if we can switch over to the other side of the Atlantic to, to yes. Canada. Do you want to just comment briefly on what are the main options for someone that that higher net worth individual looking at Canada as an option?
1: Definitely. So so there's always the uh, Immigrant Investor Program, which is a provincial immigrant investor program in Canada based out Mm -hmm. of the beautiful province that I'm currently in, Quebec. So it's Mm -hmm. called the Quebec Immigrant Investor Program. Mm -hmm. Uh, That program still exists, but it's currently halted. Uh, and and the re- the only reason why it's halted is because there's a very big overflow of of applications and applicants yeah. uh, to the program. So I mean mm-hmm. they need to be able to handle and manage the 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 inflow or the 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 immigrant investor applications that have been sent out, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But we're looking at getting it back in April of April twenty twenty three, hopefully. Okay. So, uh, so that's one immigrant investor program, uh, the best immigrant investor program in my opinion, in Canada mm-hmm. uh, that was originally in 1989 1990 was the federal immigrant investor program and then in the early 2000s, uh, Quebec as a province decided to create that uh, immigrant investor program as well to attract you know uh, ultra high net worth and high net worth individuals and you know attract race capital. Uh, Mm -hmm. within uh, the province to be able to bring you know very um, savvy investors or entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. to the uh, to the region so that's one currently the uh, program in Canada that's very exciting for I would say both immigrant investors and entrepreneurs because most Mm -hmm. of the time immigrant investors are entrepreneurs Uh, and so and so Uh, That being said, the the uh, amazing program that currently is, you know, uh, active and very much accepting applicants is the Canada Startup Visa program, Mm -hmm. which is a which is an innovative uh, program, you know, dedicated and and focused on entrepreneurs coming to Canada, Mm -hmm. creating jobs, uh, bringing innovative ideas to Canada. Uh, if we can compare Canada to the rest of the world, it has a great um, R&D uh, tax credit program. The mm-hmm. government provides great uh, tax credits on research and development and innovation in Canada. So uh, we could see that there's a lot of, of companies that have relocated to Canada or have opened up uh, you know, um, sister companies in Canada, to be able to conduct their research and development so that they could benefit from these the uh, benefits that the government uh, grants them right and so a very very Canada is a very innovative and entrepreneurial uh, country open to to entrepreneurs and this is why the Canada startup visa is
0: now the next big thing mm. for Canada gotcha so in terms of demographic I, I know that they both the programs are uh, you know, in, in a state of transition right now. But just generally speaking, what is the difference in terms of the demographic of the the individual or the family that wants to move to the UK versus the one that wants to move to Canada? So, so well, that's a very good question, actually, Darren. Uh, one thing
1: that I've seen in my career in the investment migration in, uh, industry is that... Um, a lot of uh, immigrant investors from let's say I would say the Middle East, um, India, Pakistan, uh, you know even in Asia, what to, further down in East Asia, what they do is that they they see the u k, Canada, and the u s as you know uh, the best countries right, for immigration purposes. So when they think about permanent relocation, they think of, oh, I you know, I'm going to move to the UK or I'm going to move to Canada uh, or to the US, you know, mm-hmm. and and they see this as a multi-generational permanent relocation strategy, right? So they take into consideration uh, children, grandchildren's education, retirement, uh, uh, healthcare, opportunity. So um, that being said, I would say that you know, the the demographics for both nations, Canada and the UK are similar. Uh, mm-hmm. The only thing that would differentiate is the fact that, you know, UK is normally closer to those, to those areas of the world, right, to those countries. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier for these individuals or families to make the decision, okay, let's just go to the UK. And so that's why we see very large communities, uh, Asian communities, in in the UK specifically, right, and and because it's Canada is much further away, you know, we need to cross the Atlantic. It's a, mm-hmm. it's it's more of a hassle when time comes for permanent relocation, right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot more thought that has to be put into it when making this leap towards coming to Canada. But um, to be quite honest, be, living in Canada, being in Canada myself, I've seen that a lot of those uh, you know. Immigrants have been coming to Canada. The communities have been growing, and uh, there's a lot of they're bringing they're they're running the economy in a way because it's it's bringing they're benefiting from the uh, the uh, country and the country's stability both politically, economically. Uh, but they're also bringing them uh, a labor workforce. I mean, uh, to, to the country and and you know, feeding the economy right with mm-hmm. with their with their thriving. Uh, nature and their their uh, their uh, excitement to to work and to come and to to add mm-hmm. value to to the country right so that's that's one mm-hmm. thing that I could say for both
0: mm-hmm. uh, and, and I guess one of one of the takeaways, even though you, we've just briefly discussed two jurisdictions, is the fact that rules change right? It's quite a dynamic landscape in that the the immigration rules are uh, uh, a moving target, you know, they, they keep changing. And, and as a result, uh, a jurisdiction that may be available and popular at one point in time, may not be so, you know, just a few weeks, or a few months later, right. So g- having said that, you know, right now, I know right now, this is being recorded in, in March uh, 2022. Like, w- what is the top three most popular Jurisdictions for you and your clients right now, just at this point in time. Which of course it can change.
1: Yeah. So depending on on the needs of our clients, we have clients that mm-hmm. look for immediate um, uh, acquisition of citizenship through that investment. So mm-hmm. for that, I would say that Saint Kitts and Nevis is is today uh, being the most established citizenship by investment program in the world. 1984, mm-hmm. where it started. Uh, mm-hmm. It is very highly uh, in demand, and I would say that it was and will always be the best citizen to investment program. Uh, besides that, what I've seen um, in the last, I would say, two to three years, regardless mm-hmm. of a trend and, and an increase of, of inquiries towards is Portugal. Portugal's wow. golden visa uh, is an incredible program. It's attracted mm-hmm. a lot of uh, immigrant investors to Portugal. It's and, and, and this is something that you could uh, obviously comment on as a tax expert. Uh, mm-hmm. Portugal's tax regime is very attractive as well, so a mm-hmm. lot of individuals uh, look to to have when they when they consider. You know, immigrant investor programs or um, citizenship by investment or residency by investment programs, like I say, for Portugal mm-hmm. being a residency by investment program, they they take into consideration not only permanent relocation because that's sometimes hard for all trying to individuals to do to permanently relocate because they have businesses, they have an established lifestyle in their yeah. home country. So they can't just, you know, uh, throw everything away and just relocate, um, and and that's what we see a lot with immigrant wrestlers is that they can't just uh, leave everything behind and, and relocate. So, and Portugal makes it very simple for and attractive for the individuals that are not looking to you know physically reside in Portugal for uh, six months plus one day out of the year to be considered residents, right? And so mm-hmm. it makes it really interesting and, and, and really beneficial for these immigrant investors to, uh, or ultra net worth individuals and families to even consider Portugal as an option because of, of its um, accommodating, I would say, um, structure, right, mm-hmm. as a program. And maybe, I mean, you can comment on the tax benefit. It's a very attractive tax regime with the non habitual tax residency program there. Mm-hmm. And so on, it, it makes it really interesting for individuals that are uh, looking at a uh, residency, a tax residency, even for a change of a tax residency, to consider Portugal as their, as their destination of choice. So mm-hmm. St. Kitts, Portugal and Europe. And uh, to be quite honest, we're looking for a um, huge trend towards Canada with the Canada Startup Visa. So we see a lot of entrepreneurs looking into coming into to Canada through the Canada Startup Visa. And, mm-hmm. you know, whoever comes to Canada is thinking about, OK, at some point in my life, I'm going to permanently relocate to Canada because mm-hmm. that's what's the best strategy multigenerationally. If I look into healthcare, education uh, and retirement. So that mm-hmm. as well. But I would say very, very confidently St. Kitts and Portugal have been two great uh, and very, very increase in demand programs.
0: Mm, yeah. Uh, you know, people from a tax perspective, there's this misconception that it's all about chasing low tax or no tax when it's actually the opposite, right? The, some of the more popular jurisdictions in the world that people of means that they want to move to are actually relatively high tax jurisdictions. Because I don't think anyone would ever say Canada is low tax. I mean, they are saying no. incentives if you're an entrepreneur, but it is relatively speaking uh, a higher tax jurisdiction. You know,
1: higher yeah, tax
0: yeah. Mm.
1: H- higher tax, higher tax comes with uh, added benefits, right? I exactly, mean, it, exactly. You don't yeah. pay tax for no reason. You pay tax because mm-hmm. you have free healthcare. You pay tax because mm-hmm. you have uh, almost tuition-free education in, in mm-hmm. highly ranked universities you pay tax because you're, you have the safety, the security uh, mm-hmm. of the country. So, yes, mm-hmm. you know, tax is high yeah. in Canada. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, uh, there is a reason for that.
0: <laughs> there's a, you know, I tell clients, look at it like an investment. And you get a return on the investment once it's well calculated. And there's some strategies. But, you of know... Course. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, in terms of the Caribbean, you know, we obviously our team, we, we don't get involved in migration, we leave to experts like you saw, but people do consult us when they're considering like Caribbean, there's a misconception uh, that, you know, just getting a Caribbean passport will somehow save you taxes, but, you know, I think we, we help them understand that that's not necessarily the case. Because your tax is really also a function, not just of your residency or citizenship, but where you physically are, where's your family, where's your center Correct. of vital interest, where's your center of life, and where's your business and where your investments, because that that tends to drive it uh, more often than not. Portugal, we get a, you know, for because we, we have an office in, in Portugal. So mm-hmm. we do get a number of inquiries from a, a tax planning and tax strategy, tax optimization mm-hmm. perspective, particularly from Americans. The NHR, I mean, the, the, the Caribbean, relatively speaking, is straightforward. It's territorial tax. Uh, Correct. So once you're not earning money from within, you generally speaking, you're not going to be subject to tax, generally speaking. Exactly. Whereas Portugal is a bit more nuanced than that, the NHR means that it particularly our clients who uh, have a a portfolio, an investment portfolio, and they have securities income, that is subject to to taxes under the NHR, so it'll be taxed at twenty eight percent. So that kind of hits people as a surprise because they, they think that you know it's probably in their mind. I guess they look at the other European programs like in Ireland or the UK where there's a res non-DOM. So basically all your income yeah. out is, is sheltered, but but not necessarily so with, with Portugal. So your retirement income, so if you have a private pension plan, that's going to be taxed mm-hmm. at 10%. Securities at 28. Uh, but with some planning, because there's a, an opportunity to structure, with some planning, it, it can work to your advantage. You, you can mitigate it, probably not eliminate it completely, but there, there are ways of... Of, of tax mitigation so okay so from a caribbean perspective you said sink kits is st kits uh is it because it's, it's it was the first how does sink Kitts compare to the other four just generally so
1: so generally what we do when we compare citizenship by investment programs is we look at uh two very important points the first one is uh obviously because it's a citizenship by investment. So you get immediate citizenship and, and a passport. We look at yeah. what you can do in regards of global uh, mobility freedom mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, with the, the citizenship or the passport itself. So St. Kitts offers the most visa-free uh, destinations, access to the most visa-free destinations with its passport. Uh, in addition to that, because it's been uh, operating for such a long time and it's a very, well est- very, very well established program, the process in which the, applic- the applicants go through is very straightforward and seamless, mm. right? And and so it makes it really interesting for the applicants because you know the CIU, the Citizenship by Investment Unit that's in charge of the of the program, um, is is you know mature and has been doing this uh, for a very long time. So, yeah. so they know there's a process, the timelines are met. Uh, everything is really straightforward and simple. And that's what's important. You know, when you come and invest $150,000, $200,000, $250,000 in a citizenship by investment program, you know, as an as an investor, you you normally say, okay, if I'm investing this much money into a program or into this, you know, uh, opportunity for me to get the citizenship, you know, yeah. I want it to be done quite quite uh fast and and seamless you know i want i want it to be smooth i don't want to i don't want it to to create more chaos because normally uh i'm doing this so that i could minimize the the headaches that i have uh in regards of travel let's say for example or in regards of uh additional uh private client services that normally clients request and so we the last thing we want is for actual process of the application to be Mm -hmm. you know not hassle-free so so Mm -hmm. that's why I say same kids compared to the others I mean don't get me wrong the other programs are are in regards of process are good established Mm -hmm. and 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 very seamless as well seamless and simple but Mm -hmm. same kids is same kids is the, the the golden trophy program of the Caribbean to be quite honest
0: Okay, uh, I remember before COVID, when we would be speaking to quite a few Asian clients because uh, of the base that we have in, in Singapore. Yeah. Who were looking in the Caribbean, they were drawn to the Grenada passport because you get the e visa route into the U.S. and it, the E two E two visa, correct? Right, and then visa free yeah. into China as well. So that. Correct. Definitely attractive, uh, but you you're not you you're not seeing Grenada so much as before. Is, is that your perspective or
1: no? Not necessarily. Uh, the only thing is that obviously every program is different, uh, sure. and so mm-hmm. so when we look at Saint Kitts, we look at a we look at a very uh, perfectly packaged program, mm-hmm. okay, and mm-hmm. all aspects. When we look mm-hmm. at other programs such as Dominica and Saint Lucia, we look at a cost effective program because they are less expensive in regards of the uh, government fund uh, donation right Uh, Mm -hmm. in regards of Grenada we look at a program that's that's also very good but that gives the investors access to the E2 visa for the US it's not everyone that is looking to then further invest uh, into the E2 visa and have access to to permanently relocate to the US so that's why it's not a program that's that's uh that we can say is is the holistic approach to the perfect mm-hmm. citizenship uh by investment plan because mm-hmm. it's not everyone that looks for that but for yeah. the client that we speak to that that is really focused on relocating to the u.s uh and and you know opening a business and being entrepreneurial and and setting foot in the u.s and moving forward and living the american dream obviously. If we want to look at them getting a citizenship prior to doing so, uh, mm-hmm. E2 for Grenada. Montenegro, which is our, you know, our baby, I would say also has an mm-hmm. E2 treaty with the U.S. So okay. uh, mm-hmm. with the Montenegrin passport, you have access to, a, to a, moving to the U.S. under the E2 visa, uh, which mm-hmm. is really interesting as well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and how does the, the Montenegro program sit price-wise compared to, to Grenada?
1: So it's obviously uh, more expensive. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. Montenegro, being you know a, a Balkan state for now, uh, it's expected to enter the EU in twenty twenty five. So whoever's be, whoever the idea of Montenegro is that if you're investing to get a Montenegrin passport, is because you're ultimately looking at getting an EU passport at right. some point. So it's an investment that you're making, and uh, mm-hmm. knowing that uh, my Montenegrin passport is going to be an EU passport as well whence uh, mm-hmm. Montenegro uh, enters the EU, right? Mm-hmm. And so cost-wise, I would say you have the option of going through, uh, you, have, you have to make a real estate investment, plus a, mm-hmm. obviously a, a donation to the government. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the structure uh, mm-hmm. on top of all the other fees, obviously like government fees and due diligence fees and so on. But uh, generally speaking, you, the real estate you can invest is 250000 euros when it's in the north of montenegro mm-hmm. so like the m- mountain region uh mm-hmm. which is more catered to your uh ski resort type uh, you know tourism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you have uh south of uh, montenegro on the coastline which is you know where it's more Uh, established already and there's more life and there's more investments because prior to the citizenship by investment program there has been a lot of uh, investments in Montenegro from you know from the Americans that have invested in Montenegro to the Chinese to uh, the Russians to the uh, Gulf states that have all come to Montenegro and invested because it's a you know very very it's a in French we say bijou it's a jewel uh in in in, uh, in the Balkan state uh, within the Balkan states with you know Eastern mm-hmm. Europe, and so and so a lot of investments have been made there. And if you ever have the opportunity to visit Montenegro, if anyone or if anyone that's viewing this has the opportunity to visit Montenegro, they'll see that it's a, it's it's beautiful. I would say I would call it the Petit Monaco, Petit Monte Carlo. Okay. So it's it's a, it's a it's a great place, and um, mm. it's on. It's on the road to. It's in the right direction to to entering the EU, and it's a perfect opportunity for individuals to get, you know, access to
0: EU citizenship at a very low cost. Mm, okay, that's great. So you before before we actually went live, you mentioned you were talking a bit about your your typical clients from Latin America. Could you comment on like what's your typical client uh, in terms of demographic and geography? Uh, country of origin
1: yeah so so uh i might add something to this immigrant okay. investor or the investment migration industry was mainly catered to the emerging nations right yeah. to the net worth of the emerging nations and yeah. the reason why is because these individuals needed a plan a strategy to be able to access to uh you know travel to have mobility freedom you know mm-hmm. so for them it was a plan b uh, which mm-hmm. or which you know it was always presented as a plan b but it was used as a plan a because it was probably the most important thing for them to be able to expand their business yeah. grant access to their children to education and so forth and so on mm-hmm. but in the last i would say 24 to 36 months we've seen that trend Reverse. Mm-hmm. So the emerging nations still are a great, uh, uh, you know, very big market for investment migration. But we've seen nations like Canada, the U.S., which are mm-hmm. not necessarily considered emerging nations, uh, first world nations, you know, that are looking yeah. into this, and and it's a proper that are looking into immigrant investor programs or citizenship and residency by investment planning as a mm-hmm. proper plan B you know, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. both for mobility, uh, just like an example, you know, for during the pandemic for the longest time, U S passport holders weren't able to enter the EU. Mm -hmm. Right. And so imagine Mm -hmm. I'm a ultra-handered, uh, patriarch or a family office patriarch. And I have my properties in in Italy or south of France or London or, you know, uh, Paris or whatever it is, or even Portugal. And Mm -hmm. I'm used to going to my properties once, twice, three, four times or on a monthly basis. And I can't do that because I mean, the only passport I have is a US passport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of our, a lot of clients originally looked into uh, getting a citizenship for travel freedom. Mm-hmm. And then it great. It, and it, then it turned into a proper plan B. It's a mm-hmm. it's a, an alternative asset. Uh, mm-hmm uh citizenship and residency by investment is and has become a very integral and important part of estate and legacy planning yeah. uh you you know when you're planning when you're estate planning or legacy planning you need to and if you don't then i suggest you start doing but you need to think about citizenship and residency by investment planning uh yeah. it's, it's very crucial because you know um you never know what can happen, and you never know when you need uh that second passport or when you need that residency uh somewhere else for you to be able to you know quickly pack up and 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 uh, you know trigger that that insurance shall I say yeah. in a way, it acts like an insurance mm-hmm. right uh, mm-hmm. and so and so that's very uh that's what we see is that and that's why we've seen a huge trend on my end from uh-huh. canada the u s and in Latin america obviously um uh-huh. it's countries where there's a lot of ultra net worth and there's a lot of new uh, uh wealth uh-huh. create being created in uh Latin America and all of this wealth it meets uh-huh. security you know uh-huh. it's uh, as much as you know a lot of time i i could to a certain level say that you know there is somewhat stability but at the same time there is a lot of instability because you Mm -hmm. never know right what can happen (laughs) for example uh venezuela yeah uh you know i mean Mm -hmm. it was there's a lot of finite words and alternate words in venezuela that Mm -hmm. if they didn't have a proper citizenship uh, by investment plan you know they're Mm -hmm. probably stuck right now or just take for example LATAM is directly linked to miami as a financial hub yeah. miami being a financial hub so they individuals that need an alternative that need a plan b uh, whether it's for banking like moving assets outside of their home country for security mm-hmm. or for you know expansion of business or or investments or or having you know alternative uh, assets and investment now they need to do that for and they've been needing to do that for uh, their citizenship or their residency. So that's where we see the
0: trend going, hmm. I believe. That, yeah, yeah, that, that that's that, that's a great point that traditionally it the investment migration space has targeted the emerging markets, right? It, it was Correct. seen as a hedge. It was seen as an education play. It was all oh, for, the, you know, because of the hassle of, you know, applying for visas every time you needed to go from point A to point B of getting just a stronger travel document to get business done. You know, of I remember course. seeing uh, uh, an interview with Dangote, the, the wealthiest uh, person in Africa, uh, Nigeria, mm-hmm. and he says, Dangote. That, yeah. Dangote, yeah, he has eight passports, right? Because he, I mean, he lives in Nigeria, but just the hassle of traveling on the Nigerian passport means that he collected seven other passports just to make it, easier to to get his business done, right? So that that was traditional, right? Now, we've really seen that inversion that you've spoken about, that it has become an asset class on its own for people from developed markets, not just from developing markets. You know, yeah, and and we saw that, as as you said, during the the height of the, the health crisis, Uh, you know, people being blocked from moving around and that had severe consequences for, you know, not just personal, but for business reasons. And just having that portfolio of not necessarily passports, but residences, because at any point in time, like in Portugal, even though borders were closed, if you were a Portugal resident, you will be allowed in. And to a large extent with the UK as well. I mean, borders might be closed, but still, you know, and so on and so forth. Same with the US. So, so yeah, it, it's it's definitely turned on its head, and it's something that everyone is 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 taking seriously right now. And for us, we will obviously being uh, more international tax base, but US international in particular. They. The, the flow of inquiries in terms of help with tax planning to enter the US, mm-hmm. uh, we, we saw a spike during the, the, the health crisis. And, and now we're seeing, uh, you know, that demand pick up from, from the US to, to look at Portugal and Spain, we get, I, get, I literally get dozens of emails every day via website for people who want to help, who, who need help from the US tax planning for Portugal, or they want a comparison. Portugal versus Spain. Could you model my portfolio if I end up in Portugal, if I end up in Spain? uh, You know, I I need to to have that comparison. So, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, but having said that, the investment migration space, unfortunately, has been tarnished. Yes, there have been bad actors on different fronts, but still, you know, there has been a trend to paint it, unfortunately, in in a negative light. And, And we've seen the EU in particular uh, generally speaking, not being in favor of it. So given those you know, the, those sentiments from, from certain governments, and especially in the developed world, not in the emerging markets, but in the developed world, what do you see to be the outcome? What, where, where are trends heading?
1: I think that one very important thing uh, is that uh, investment migration or the, the, the industry itself or citizenship by investment or residency by investment programs yeah. uh, have to have a very good and strong uh, regulatory body. Mm. That would be, you know, when, once we have, once we're able to put the, you know, the top firms in the industry together and, and create a regulatory body, which is not based or biased by uh, someone's, you know, I don't know, uh, creativity, let's say, for example. Uh, And and the only purpose is to be able to properly regulate uh, and help properly, uh, help governments properly structure and maintain their programs so that, you know, uh, everything is very straightforward, due diligence is perfect, and there's no reason for the European Parliament Commission or anyone else to come and say, oh, we do not want to give citizenship by investment programs or have citizenship by investment programs in our union because of this, 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 then, Mm -hmm. you know, then we'll be able to come back and and fight against the parliament be like, no, uh, our regulatory body is here for one reason. And that reason is to be able to, you know, regulate uh, the countries and the, not necessarily the countries, apologies, but the firms that offer uh these programs or that advise governments in regards of creating programs and so that's what's very Mm -hmm. important and i think that's what's lacking in the industries is is to have that you know um uh, mutual Mm -hmm. regulatory like a mutual sense of of everyone or the top players being able to you know help regulate the the
0: industry Mm. Uh, um, you know, I I wish I I shared your sentiments because it's of course a very positive sentiment from my perspective. And again, as an outsider looking in, so I mean, I'm not an investment migration expert, but I just look at it historically, like the, let's say the past couple hundred years, you could, there was a time, you know, and if you were in the 1800s, you could go to the U S and if you came across from Europe, maybe you didn't even need a travel document. You You just tell them what your name is when you arrive in Ellis Island, and they say they give you a rudimentary health check and welcome to America. You know, and over time, you know, there became a need for some sort of identification. Then you needed a passport, and then there was a visa system. And the visa system, to a large extent, has been thrown out with recent uh, developments. Understandably so, but it's put the traditional visa system under strain, and now. It's to your advantage if you were if you do need to move between certain jurisdictions to get residency so at least you're sure to get in. So I, I see just generally the movement of uh, of human capital being put under greater regulation, if you look at it in the past hundred and hundred and fifty years. And then when you add to that the, the noise that's coming from decision-makers at the EU level, which, you know, the, the EU is one of the more uh, attractive jurisdictions uh, for, for those in, who would want a more powerful travel document. And okay. it's clear that they're against it. Uh, and, you know, so what happened to Cyprus? We know the pressure that Malta is under, and even domestically in Portugal. Uh, it's brought, I mean, it's bringing a lot of talent, it's bringing a lot of resources into Portugal, but there are concerns that it does uh, do certain things to the real estate market, that uh, locals feel disadvantaged, they feel priced out, and there is some pushback. So, and we've seen that uh, result in changes in the golden visa program in, in Portugal. So Porto and Lisbon are no longer maybe not so much Algarve. You need to go in in you know inland to less attractive areas. So, I, you know, I, I see that as all part of a trend, and I, I wonder if to some extent the days of investment migration may be, may be numbered in terms of citizenship. Maybe residency. Absolutely, you can get residency but in terms of a definite pathway to citizenship without a residence requirement, which is what the visa does, the golden visa does offer, as opposed Mm -hmm. to the UK. So in the UK, there's a residency requirement. Of course. So I I think, you know, the EU, the the US, the North Americans, they feel more comfortable with that. We have no problem where people can, people of means can enter and they can enjoy those benefits, but there should be a residency requirement. So that, that's that. That those are my thoughts. I think that the whole golden visa principle, where someone can just, uh, just, ha- just hang out for like a month per year, or you know, or like in Malta with the, a year, year and a half, they get a passport. I, I think those those days may be numbered. Yeah, what, what I think would you, what would they what want
1: they to want to do what they want to yeah. do is they want to remove that golden term to, to, to the programs, Uh, you know, and, and look, I'm not against, I'm not against adding physical residency to to such programs so that, you know, there could be justification for why someone would be granted citizenship or granted residency. I'm not against that whatsoever, but I believe that we need to, you know, and and the reason why nations such as uh portugal uh, have benefited from the golden visa program is because they've brought in millions and even maybe billions of euros over the span uh uh, of the life of the program which in return benefited the economy of the country and in return Mm -hmm. benefited the locals and in return you know everyone was taking advantage of it uh, Mm -hmm. of the fact that the country was generating so much revenue from these programs one thing is for sure is that we need to put a line in between traditional immigration programs and immigrant investor programs. just right. like we put a line and separate uh, r- refugee uh, mm-hmm. programs that are considered immigration programs and mm-hmm. uh, entrepreneur uh, immigrant entrepreneur programs. you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, both the refugee and the entrepreneur are looking to, Get that, this citizenship, but there is a reason, and there's a there is a reason why we differentiate these two paths that are mm-hmm. ultimately to the same goal. Is because you know the 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 current circumstance of the individuals that are applying or the applicant, shall we say, are completely different, and that's when I believe that when we're able to draw that line between traditional immigration. An immigrant investor or entrepreneur uh, immigrant on- entrepreneurship programs that are obviously such as immigrant investor programs when we're mm-hmm. able to i clearly draw that line and be able to accept that there is two types of immigration
0: mm-hmm.
1: then we're able to as countries as unions such as the eu understand the benefit of each route you know yeah. we can't just say oh no more Immigrant investor programs, no more citizenship by investment, no more residency by investment. Mm -hmm,
2: mm -hmm.
1: You know, we're going to stick to even the immigrant investor and the individual that's bringing capital and the country is raising foreign direct investment or foreign Mm -hmm. direct capital and bringing the the investors bringing capital to the country. Uh, No, they need to physically reside there. There's Mm -hmm. a there's a reason. And, you know, we need to be able to differentiate. Uh, physical residency requirement uh, Mm -hmm. or the program so that we can understand and Mm -hmm. appreciate each route. Mm -hmm. That's the thing, is that we're not, I speak for the EU, uh, sorry, I don't speak for the EU commission. I speak for myself on the basis of my comments towards that, and I feel like they don't appreciate Mm -hmm. immigrant investor programs, and this is why they're they, they're against it in a way uh, in regards of having citizenship by investment programs or uh, residency by investment programs in the EU mm-hmm. that obviously are a pathway to citizenship with minimal mm-hmm. physical residency, you know, because, mm-hmm. because they're not able to really draw that line and, and separate. It's not, it's immigration, but mm-hmm. there's a difference between one type versus the other. And, uh, yeah. you know, Mm, yeah we can't uh, always wait for a yeah. for a world crisis to happen for us as a mm. country for a country to accept immigrants you know exactly exactly if that would be unfortunately that would be unfortunate mm. you know mm-hmm. so so yeah. uh, so once that that line is that line is drawn then i think that there would be no issues in regards of maintaining these programs and in the industry yeah, I principle. hope they're not numbered. I hope they're not. Yeah. I hope the days are not numbered.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I guess, you know, we, we can touch base in a, in a year and we keep in touch and see how it goes. But at this point, my, that's my sense that, you know, yes, they, there's no problem with investment migration because everybody practices it. You know, everybody does it. The, the issue is where there is citizenship without residency. And, you know, and I see some some of the Caribbean islands as well. Sometimes uh, some of the OECD nations do kind of give them the look when you know about their programs. And then there's the always the, the subtle threat of uh, removing visa free access to country X, country Y. So but it, that's happening. And, but then when I look at it in the context of the offshore space in general, because in the in the whole offshore world is not just about citizenship and residency there's also banking there're also corporate structures and yeah i mean a couple of decades ago absolutely you can set up a bank account anywhere you like more or less so you can incorporate wherever you want more or less but suddenly you know yeah you can incorporate but now there're rules around economic substance you, you just can't set up shell companies anywhere and everywhere like you used to you need to have actual boots on the ground It needs to be a meaningful business reason, not just a tax planning opportunity. And and I think that is, you know, in any country that's not practicing that right now, any jurisdiction, they're probably on the blacklist. and, and And then similarly with the banking space, you know, a couple of decades ago, maybe even just a decade ago, you can set up a bank account anywhere, you know. But now again, banks are so hard to deal with. Even if you live in, if if it's your hometown bank, they're giving you a hard time to set up a bank account, even though you've been with this bank for generations, far less if you want to set up an account in another jurisdiction. The AML, the anti-money laundering, the KYC, you know your customer, or the general onboarding process is now pretty rigorous. It basically is like a job interview and they they want to see whether you know they want to do business with you, and it, it definitely is not as easy as as it once was to set up an, a an, a bank account or a company where you really don't have any residence, and even if you have residents, it, it's a problem. So I, I think we in the era, uh, we in the era of, of transparency, and you know, there's a. Uh, Exchange of information and you know there's data exchanges between jurisdictions and the the sort of privacy and the leniency that we saw in the past uh seem to be definitely there there in the past. So I, I see the, the whole offshore world evolving, of which, of course, the investment migrations uh piece is an important and integral part. But I think it's there's there's, there's indeed a, a general shift. But uh, we, I think we're coming up to an hour now. So any any final comments or any final perspectives that you want to share with uh, people who are online right now or who may be listening to this in the future?
1: Uh, what I want to share is that, yeah. you know, immigrant investor or the investment migration industry uh, mm-hmm. is an industry that has been, uh, in the past, I would say, Uh, Mm -hmm. only uh, available to the ultra-high network, right? Uh, Today, we've seen that with the changes of of the governments and the investment budgets and the access to to wealth creation to everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We've seen a a very important change in that, is that today it's not only the elite of our world that have access to uh, investment migration, but it's everyone that has access to it. Okay, and if you need it it's there. it's available and so uh, uh, investment migration is is a tool uh that could be used for whether it's tax planning, whether it's mobility planning, whether it's uh, mobility insurance, which is mm-hmm. very important um and and everyone that that has that uh or needs that sense of security at some point, whether it's for their Personal security uh, mm-hmm. including family obviously uh, mm-hmm. asset security such as asset protection and wealth preservation they need to consider citizenship by investment and residency by investment and mm-hmm. I think that hand in hand with proper tax planning uh, it could be the the perfect uh, holistic solution to 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 you know checking all of those uh, boxes that have to be checked for for someone to be you know protect their assets preserve their wealth as well as uh create a sense of security and have access to uh the world you know become global citizens and so that's what's very important
0: uh and i hope i hope our
1: industry is good i hope and i'm (laughs) confident that uh we can speak in five years from now
0: and we're still going to be here <laughs>
1: i hope so <laughs>
0: fantastic and if if someone wants to reach out to you to discuss that that having that plan b having that security that you know education play for the kids uh global mobility what's the best way to reach you
1: they could always reach me at my email uh, mm-hmm. I, it's a t a a t a n n o u s at apexcap dot org Mm-hmm. Or they could uh, WhatsApp me uh plus one seven eight six seven four two forty five zero eight. or they can just go on our website apex apexcapital.partners and uh, submit an inquiry, and I'll have myself or someone from my team reach out immediately and be able to assist.
0: Okay, so that's apexcapital.partners. Correct. All right, and it's been a pleasure. It's been a privilege. I enjoyed hearing, uh, getting your perspective, benefiting from your years of experience in this investment migration space. And hopefully, Thank everyone you. that listens to you will, well, yeah, I'll be better off for it. And if they have not, you know, created that plan B, they would understand why it is super important. To have that plan be in place even if you just have it keep it in your back pocket it's better to have it and don't need it than to need it and don't have it exactly i always say it's better to be proactive than reactive mm-hmm. absolutely thank you very much uh so good day good evening good morning to everyone depending on what part of the world you're in we're Tax, and if you have a look at our website hdj.tax slash events you can see what we're going to be talking about and who we're going to be interviewing next week. With that, thank you very much. Thank you.
2: Here are four ways we can help you. Number one, sign up for free webinars on US expat Texas and International Entrepreneur Texas at www.htj.tex. Number two, stream premium educational videos at www.htj.tex. Number three, contact us for tax optimization consult over Zoom. Number four, high net worth. We can quote for doing your U.S. international taxes returns. Our books and upcoming events are available at Tax. Please subscribe, like, share, and comment below. Email us at help at hdj.tex to engage us, to advise on international tax or business matters.